0: song. While you remain standing, get in your Bibles, please, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. We'll start in verse number 17, I'll read out loud, you read silently along with me, but we'll read this together, 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, starting in verse number 17, wherefore come out from among them, and be a separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord, now before you get Uh, mixed up in this Uh, he's not saying if you do if you do if you do uh, I'll be a father to you and you'll be sons and daughters he's not talking about salvation here not talking about that law he's talking about now, now that you're saved let's have a father and child relationship in order to do that you're going to have to mind me the way that I've asked you to Go down to chapter number 7, verse number 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now go clear up by revelation in First John, First John chapter number 2. First John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. Hey, Jaime, good to see you, buddy. And we'll begin reading at verse number 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Father, help me, please, this morning. You knew who would be here and why they're here. Maybe they're not even sure why exactly they're here, but you do. And so I pray, dear Lord, as you knew that I would be preaching this particular subject and this sermon this morning, that you have already trying to prepare all of us to get out of this, what we're supposed to get out of this. Help us, Lord, please, not to get out what we want, but get out what we need. And I ask you to please bless the dear people. Thank you for allowing us to come once again to the Anchor Baptist Church. Dear Lord, I hope that this morning every one of us will listen and learn the way that we ought to according to the Word of God. Let me be of help to your people, please. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me help you understand something about salvation. The Bible calls it eternal life. Eternal. It's not called probationary life. It's not called temporary life. It's called eternal life. When one receives the Savior, he receives a free gift, a free gift that cannot be taken from him. He cannot forfeit it, nor can he lose it. It is eternal life. It's his forever. Once you're saved, You are saved forever. Uh, If you want to turn, Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, the second part of that verse says this, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6, 23. So the gift of God is not Christ. The gift of God is eternal life, and you can only get that through Christ. You do not have Christ, you cannot have eternal life. So the Bible, God's word clearly says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our lord first john chapter 5 verse number 11 we were just up there a moment ago the bible says this is the record that god hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his son eternal life is not something that man gains or loses of his own accord it is not something because uh, he he does not. It's not has nothing to do with his behavior or his merit. And I know the world teaches it. it almost makes sense, doesn't it? There's got to be something I got to do to earn this. There's nothing you can do to earn this. Right. It is all because of Jesus Christ. Therefore, because it cannot be earned, it is not our merit, it is not in his power to give it up or throw it away or say he does not want that anymore. Once a man is truly saved, born again, nothing can take away his everlasting life. Uh, You ladies in here that have children, uh, once that child is born, he cannot be unborn. He can die, but he can't be unborn. Once he's born, he's born. You ever understood why it's called being born again? Because first birth is a fleshly birth. That's how we got in this world. But remember who our great, 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 We'll keep doing that for a while. Father and mother was, Adam and Eve. And because of that, we inherited a sinful nature. But also we sinned. So don't just blame everything on your parents. You come to find out we have a sinful nature and we sin. We do things contrary to the word of God. So that makes us sinners on both of those levels. You have to understand here, once a man is truly saved, nothing, 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 okay, bring up the subject, nothing can separate him from the love of God, which yeah. is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah. The love of God, not your love for him. T- turn to Romans chapter 8. I want you to see this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. In Romans chapter number 8, starting down at verse number 33, sometimes we wonder, uh, well, can I lose my salvation? Uh, what, what do I have to do? What if somebody else does this? What about in the future? What about something in my past? Those are all great questions, and how gracious of God to answer all of those for us but the Bible says in Romans chapter number 8, starting at verse number 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? By the way, elect here doesn't mean super-duper Catholic. Doesn't mean you're a cut above everybody else. Elect are those who have been chosen by God to be saved through Jesus Christ. That's all that that means. It is, a, it is God that justifies. So he said, who, is, who can lay anything to our charge? Then he answers the question. It's God that justifies. So God's the one that said, okay, your record's clear. So who can lay anything to our charge? Look at the next verse here in verse number 34. Who is it that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather again, rose again, who even at the right hand of the Father, who makes intercessions for us. So who can condemn us with Jesus Christ setting right the right hand of the Father, saying, Father, that's mine. That one right there belongs to us. So who is it that can condemn us when it was his blood that shed it for us and cleansed us from all of our sins? So here he's saying, who is it that can condemn? It is Christ that makes intercession. He's setting right the right hand of the Father making intercession. Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. That's a great question right there. Who can separate me from the love of Christ? That's what I want to know. Watch this. Shall tribulation, how about distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril. How about sword? It is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors, hold on, hold on, through him that loved us. You're not saved because you love Jesus. You're saved because he loved you. See, there's no good thing that we can do. Nothing. You couldn't suffer enough for God to have pity on you and save you. You couldn't love him enough for him to go, man, what a that person, I'll take them. Nobody. It was Jesus Christ himself that brought salvation. Eternal life is through Jesus Christ our Lord bar none. But watch what he says. Verse number 38, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you get that last part? The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Didn't mention your love. Your love has nothing to do with it. You say, but I love him. Oh, I think that's a great thing. But salvation has nothing to do with your love. It has to do with his love. You're kept by the love of God. And this is what the Bible talks about. So what am I saying? You ready for this? Once saved, always saved. When I first got saved, my wife and I were saved in a church that believed you could lose your salvation. Uh, that's because they did not know the scriptures and what it was trying to explain. And so they would say, now, Brother Bell, what would happen if somebody came in your house and was trying to hurt your kids? I said, well, I'd, I'd try to uh, deter that and wrestle, you know, and get them, and I, I would do that. Okay, but what if they had a knife? And I said, well, I'd try to take the knife from them and, and, and make sure they didn't get to my family. What if they had a gun? Before it's over, if they're driving a tank through my house. I mean, what you're trying to get me to say is, I guess you can. Listen to me carefully. I'm not keeping anybody. I can't even keep myself. It is Jesus Christ that is keeping me. So once I am saved, I am always saved. You ready for this one here? Once in grace, always in grace. Once you get into the grace of God, which is through Jesus Christ our Lord, you're always in his grace. I didn't say you were always behaving. Don't, don't mix that up because we don't. We don't. You can just smile and thank me later for agreeing with you. But we don't. We do not always do things right. Once a child of God, always a child of God, it's called eternal life, eternal security. Eternal security because of Christ. And the devil knows this, by the way. He knows this. Before salvation, he tries to blind the minds of people that are out in sin to stop them from seeing their need of salvation. He puts a lot of stuff in their way, job and money and partying and and success and anything, anything and everything that's in the world, he'll put in front of a lost person so that their mind cannot, that light cannot break through. Let me show you what I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians chapter, you're in Romans, go forward about one book and you'll bump right into it. 2 Corinthians chapter number four. 2 Corinthians chapter number four. I want you to drop down to verse number three. 2 Corinthians, oh, I'm in 1 Corinthians, I apologize. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, there we go. Chapter number 4, look at verse number 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Then he tells you why. In whom the God, see small g, you see that? It's not God, not, not the God we know, not Jehovah God. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the mind's of of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so the devil, uh, understand we have three uh, overall enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And those three right there, the devil, look up here, the devil uses the world to entice our flesh, which is sinful, right? We inherited that from Adam and Eve. So he uses the world to lure us Therefore, if we don't get saved, it just keeps blinding. Well, you know, I heard this and I studied this and and I want to make this and I don't see where that's wrong. And all this stuff to lost people and they ask all of these questions that they think are very intellectual. But like a child, until you receive Christ as your personal savior, like a child would trust his dad by saying, that's hot, don't touch it. it You cannot be saved. Because your logic, your reasoning will not save you. The blood of Jesus will save you by conviction if you're not convicted. By the way, you go from here. If you leave here this morning going, like, I don't like that guy. It made me feel uneasy. Good. I'm happy. Amen. No, seriously, Amen. I am. Why? Because if you did not feel uncomfortable or convicted, how would you know anything's wrong? That's right. So God is doing a great job. So we find out in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 through 4, once the light shines through, and we have Jesus Christ as Savior, we get the free gift. The free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, I'm never in jeopardy of going to hell. I'm never in jeopardy of losing my home in heaven. None of this becomes jeopardy to me. And so Satan must... What's he do to Christians? That's what he does with lost people. What's he do with Christians? By the way, how many of you are saved? Pretty sure you're saved. You died right now. You go to heaven. Wonderful. Good. Now, please understand, for those of you that may not know, we're not saying, yeah, I'm good enough to go. There's nobody good enough to go. I'm going because of Jesus. I'm not going because of George Bell. I'm going because I accepted him, and in him I get a free gift called eternal life. So through Jesus Christ. So anyway, so what what, what does the devil do to Christians? You ready for this? We just talked about the loss. The devil tries to blind their minds, keep them away from the Lord. Now he can't stop them. So he puts stuff in front of them that causes their mind, their thinking, their emotion, these kinds of things, blinded so they can't see the light of the gospel. And this is where Christians in this dark world are supposed to come in. You're supposed to witness to people on your job. You just can't let them keep running this way. They're going to stay in darkness the rest of their life until they die and go to hell. So God put little lights or they call it punching holes in the darkness. You walk through this world instead of letting your little light shine, let your blow torch shine. Right. <laughs> just, just a, let it go and you go, man. Turn it down a little bit. Why? People are dying and going to hell and we're trying to be nice people, letting people die and go to hell because we don't say anything about it. So what does the devil do with Christians here? He tries to keep them or keep them in a position so they have no effectiveness for Christ at all in this world. Now that I'm saved, why do you think you were left here? Well, so I can get ahead and make money and do... No. Well, so we can love people and show... No. You were left here to do a work for Christ. You said, but I'm not a preacher. Look up here, young lady. Hey. Pay attention. To me. You are left here as a born again Christian who knows Jesus to tell those who don't know Jesus about Jesus. Amen. Not too difficult, right? Harder to do, not that difficult. And so it's like it's like one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. Now, that would be a nice thing to do. Wouldn't that just be the nice thing to do? If you were starving and found food somewhere, wouldn't it be nice to tell somebody else where you found food? If you got saved and no longer going to hell and you have a home in heaven because of Jesus Christ, would it not be a nice thing to do to tell somebody else how they also can go to heaven? So the devil wants to stop our influence, our effectiveness, by so that we do not win other people to come to Christ. The best way to cause a Christian... To have the least amount of effectiveness, and I'm talking to Christians now, is to get him to compromise his life. Before you put it, I I could probably take it, but whatever, don't do that, okay? Compromise your life, not your eternal life, your life that God gave you now that you're saved. That's what he wants us to get, us to compromise. Listen to me very carefully. Now that he has a new life because of Christ, what he does with it and what he uses it for is very important. Very, very important. The more like the world and the closer we live to it and the farther from God, the less effectiveness that we have on somebody else's life. This is probably going to be one of the more important sermons that you're ever going to hear. It's it's not because of me. It's just a Bible sermon. Go to 1 John chapter number 2. Way up by Revelation again. 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. We read this earlier, I believe, but we'll read it once again. The closer that a Christian gets to the world and the closer that he lives to it, the farther from God and the less effective his life becomes... Because he's farther from God and closer to the world again. Uh, you ever say you can't see the forest for the trees? People say things like that. Uh, people, I can't see it because it's too close to me. Uh, people have problems doing that. Sometimes we get so close to the world, we can't see the harm that's really doing. We get so far from God, we can't see how much He really cares for us and what He's trying to tell us what to do. Right. So we're, we're, we're having a problem here. 1 John chapter number 2, look at verse number 15 and verse number 16. Love not the world. I'm not talking about this ball. There's no such thing as Mother Nature. All the tree huggers here, get a life. <laughs> love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The things that are in, all the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. How does one do this? How does one love the world? How, how, how can this be? How about living and acting like an unsaved person so that you don't really have any effect on lost people? How about that? Can we do that? How about doing what they do to show them the way to Christ? That makes sense? Verse number 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. Now, again, it's the Father-Son relationship. He's saying, look, I'm your Father. I'm not for this. I don't want you to be in love with the world or the things. In the world. I want you to be in love with me. But he left us in this world just like his son. He said, Father, uh, love them and take care of them like you did me. You sent me here for a purpose. I sent them, I saved them and left them here for a purpose. You are here for a purpose. It's not just show up on Sunday morning and act like it's a big blessing to the preacher, though I am very blessed because you're here. What are we talking about here? God wants us, after we're saved, to get as far away from worldliness and its influence as we can and as close to him and doing what he says As we can. I said after a person is saved, the devil can no longer take you to hell, but he can take your effectiveness and make it as though it doesn't make any difference here even on this planet. For Christ, for Christ. And so what happens here, compromise means this. Are you ready for this? It means something intermediate between different things. Compromise. Something intermediate, something in between two things. That's called compromise. So let me get this right. I have the world, which the Bible says God's not for, and I have Christ, which every Christian should be for, so compromise would be me trying to live somewhere in between. By definition, no Webster 1828 Dictionary. Ready? Okay. It also means this, in danger as to one's reputation. I'm not making this up, it's in in dictionary. God wants us to get as close to him after we get saved, to know him, to serve him, and to trust him. The devil and the world knows if we get away from the world farther and farther and closer to God, it is going to have less influence on us. Makes sense, doesn't it? My mom, who wasn't even saved for a long time, said you just like those you run with. My mom was right, wasn't she? The reason you like those you run with because either you want to be like them or they want to be like you. That's why you're with it. You don't run with people you don't like, do you? That's why I don't hang around a lot of you folks. Not kidding. <laughs> Let me show you how the world tries to get Christians from going all out for God. Seems like the thing to do nowadays, isn't it? Don't go all out for God. They would think you're weird. So I want you to go to Exodus chapter number eight. Exodus chapter number eight. Way, way back there. Genesis, Exodus chapter number eight. I don't know about you. I write in my Bible. I just got a larger print Bible because of my eyes—I—I—I I, I don't have Cadillacs. I have cataracts, um, and so I have a tough time. All of you are very fuzzy right now, so none of you are living right. I can tell just by looking at you. Uh, your life's not as clear and as it should be. Um, but Exodus chapter number eight, we have the story here of Moses and the children of Israel, and he's getting ready to lead the people out of Israel. Talk to me, church. What does Israel represent in the Bible? The world. Okay, thanks, church, all one of you. The world. And so, therefore, Pharaoh would represent who? The devil, right? Okay, throughout the Bible, this is is the illustration that the Bible uses. So I want you to drop down chapter number 8, Exodus chapter number 8. Now, he wanted them to just quit serving Pharaoh or he wanted them to go out and serve the Lord? Which one? Both. Both. He wanted both. He wanted to get away from Pharaoh and Egypt and come out and serve the Lord. Is that right? Look, if you would, go down to verse number 8, chapter number 8. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, uh, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs, you know this story, from among the people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice unto the Lord. Isn't that nice of him? He said, Look, you make, you make this trouble stop for my life and for my people, and I'll let you go to do two things. I'll let you go from Egypt to go serve your Lord. Not just leave Egypt. The reason they were supposed to leave Egypt is to go serve the Lord. Is that right? Okay. Anybody remember this story? Remember Charlton Heston? And, okay, anyway. So, remember now, though, don't you? That? That's the Bible. And so Moses, by God's word, told Pharaoh, let the people go. And you know the plagues that he sent on there, the flies and the frogs, and the water turned to blood. And eventually what let the people go, of course, was the death of the firstborn. The death of the firstborn. You know how God told him to get out from underneath of that? Blood. You take the blood of an innocent lamb and you go inside your house and you kill that lamb and you take that blood and put it on the lintel and on the doorpost. And when the death angel comes over and sees the blood, he will pass over you. That's why it's called the Passover. The Jews served the Passover to this very day. So you have to understand he wasn't looking for church people. He wasn't looking for nice people. He wasn't looking for Egyptians or Jews. He was looking for the blood. And he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Judgment will not come to you and your house if the blood is applied. Anybody follow me? Okay. So uh, all this thing was going. Finally, Pharaoh had enough and agreed to let the people go with conditions. Pharaoh said, I'll let the people go, but I have some conditions. Now, he didn't say that. He didn't say, I'm going to let them go, but I have some conditions. But he presented to them some conditions. I want you to look in verse number 25. Look at the first compromise that Pharaoh tries. Same chapter, verse number 25. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go ye sacrifice to your God in the land. Not in the land they're supposed to go to. He's talking about stay in Egypt. He said, Go and serve your life. So the first compromise was, he told me, he said, No, you can go and serve the Lord. Go, Go live for him. But do it right here in Egypt. Do it right here in Egypt. Now, wait a minute. What did God tell him to do? What, what, did, what did God tell him to do? God said, get out of Egypt. Actually, he told him on the very night that the death angel passed over, you make sure you're packed up and ready to get out of here. You keep your shoes on. You keep your staff in your hand. You keep everything packed up. Why? Because as soon as they say, get out of here, you need to leave Why? Egypt as quickly as possible and come out three days. journey. Get away from this place as far as you possibly can to serve me. God said to tell him no. There was no way, there was no compromise. There cannot be a compromise on this. Three days journey, go down to verse number 26 and 27. And Moses said, it is not me to do so. He said, no, we can't do that. No, no we can't stay here and, and worship God and serve God in, in Egypt. That, that ain't going to work. Why? Because God told him not to. It's that simple. Watch what he says. For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians. Now, for them to sacrifice a lamb, they held a lamb as being a god. Yeah, they held everything as being a god. And so if they did that, they said, okay, now you're an abomination. They'd kill him. And God said, look, I already know this. You need to get out of town. You need to get out of here. Watch what he says. Uh, be a sacrifice, abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, and we will be, and they will stone us. Verse 27. And we will go three days' journey. So see, it's not just getting out of Egypt. We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice unto the Lord our God as he shall command us. This is not optional. This is not optional. He said, well, now the blood, the death angels pass over. Why can't we just stay here? Ready? Big reason. God said no. Yeah. no. See, this is, this is our pride and arrogance. Yeah, but why? Yeah. God Almighty said no. no. God Almighty said, get out of here, go to there. God Almighty said that. Yeah. That's what he told him. Yeah. And so Moses, he didn't have, it wasn't up to him to compromise what God said. It's not up to you to compromise what God said either. Yeah. Yeah. God said, Moses, you tell Pharaoh, from me, I said, they need to get out of here, and they need to come out, and they need to serve me over here. Young lady, sit up, listen to me, preach to you. Now, so what happens here is this, if they stayed, they would have been saved, but they would have had no influence whatsoever in Egypt. The children of God would be taking the lower ground with the unbelievers, the idol worshipers, the ungodly, and the wicked. Thus putting Jehovah, God, God Almighty, on the same plane with whatever was going on in Egypt. So let me get this right. Your God passes over. He says you're saved, you do, and yet you're still in the same place we are. You're still doing the same things we do. You still dress and act the same way we do, and you say he delivered you. If this happened, an Egyptian could honestly say, I see no difference between you and me, which is what Christians and sinners are doing today, aren't they? I had a, uh, he's a nice guy, uh, my wife's back here, a uh, real nice guy where we used to live. There was a guy who lived across the street from me. He drove a real nice motorcycle, he really did. I think God's leading me to get. And, uh, and uh, he, he had a nice wife, uh, just the two of them, they couldn't have children, lived across, really took care of their place, uh, always cleaning up, remodeling, doing stuff, just great, great people. And uh, what he liked me, and uh, one day he and I would talk, and of course, when you find out your neighbor's a preacher, you just got to ask him questions, right? And so he comes over one day, and here's what he said, Here's what. now listen to me, here is a philosophy the world thinks is brilliant. He says, um, he, called, he called me George, he called me, you can't call me. He said, hey, George, let me ask you a question. He said, you know, the way that you dress, the people I run with have a hard time identifying with you. I said, oh, okay. Now, this guy had multiple piercings, tattoos from here. I saw his ankle, so I'm just assuming. Uh, and so he had all these tattoos. and all. I, Before we jump to conclusions, great guy, great guy. He actually said his tattoos is a witness of Christ. Mm-hmm. here's what he said, that aside, here's what he said. He said, you know, George, if, if, if they probably wouldn't talk to you, first of all, he didn't know that, he was assuming. He said, if you went to them and you had a suit on, a tie, and they probably wouldn't talk to you. And I said, oh. He said, now me. He said, you notice that we, we, we go on rides sometimes. I said, yeah, i notice that, a whole bunch of motorcycles over in your driveway. And I said, that, that's okay, that's, that's great. He said, now what we'll do now, he said, now we'll go for a ride, sometimes for a whole weekend. He said, while we're riding, they'll stop at a bar. I said, now, I don't drink, but I'll go with them. Hold on. He said, now, every once in a while, they'll stop at a girly bar. Watch it, ready? My wife's not fond of that. No kidding. Any women in here for that? You okay with that? So that's where he would draw the line. Here was his conclusion of the whole thing. He said, when I'm around them, ready? Ready? Listen to this. This is how religious world has deceived Christians. When I'm with them, ready? Here's what what he said. They see no difference between them and me. But they would you. Did anybody catch on to that? Anybody hear that? I'm a born-again Christian child of God, and they see bikers, drinkers, nude bars, would see no difference between him and them. Anybody see anything wrong with that? But he said, they would you, preacher. (laughs) I'm okay with that. Besides that, we were out walking West Broad Street. Uh, We're having a a soul winning day and walking down there. And I looked across at Hague and Broad. Right there's a gas station right there. And I saw this guy sitting on a Harley. You know how they do. You have to have an attitude to ride a Harley. You can't just ride. You don't ride a Harley. You've got to have an attitude. You gotta lean back. And you rev it. And they said, well, that's good for the carburetor. Ah, you're just showing off. And so they're doing all this, you know. And so I told the guy, was I forget who I was with, and I said, let's go and talk to him. Well, I didn't know he rode with Columbus Outlaws. And is said, I'm not sure that's supposed to make a difference. So I went over to him and said, how you doing, man? Fine. How about you? Good. And I said, I'd like to give this to you. Church people, huh? Yep. You? He said, my, I think his mom or grandmother used to go to church. Everybody's mom or grandmother used to go to church, right? We are rebellious, and we decided that's not for us. So he sitting there. he got a big, long beard, you know, and they're all fat. All those guys are fat. Fat all get out. Uh, I, I'm not sure they call the motorcycle a hog or them, but he, there they are. And a nice guy, super nice guy. And I asked him about his salvation. He goes, no, I'm not. You, you couldn't tell anything about him. But when he saw me, he knew I was a preacher. Right off the bat, he knew that. Now, what if I'd have rolled up next beside him on a Harley and did everything but almost cuss? I like you, man. you just like me. Any influence at all? No. Not really. So, these people here, if they, if they got saved and stayed in Egypt, they would see no difference between them. You called upon your God and said he delivered you, but you're still in the same place I'm in. You still go to work where I go to work. You still act like I used to act. You still dress like I used to act. And what is the difference? So God said, no, you need to get out of there. If you're going to have influence on people, you need to get away from them and be different. Not uppity up, I'm better than you. By the way, nobody ever, I don't know if a Christian has ever said that. I'm better than you. I've never said that. I've been saved 51 years. I've never said that. I think you have, but I haven't. (laughs) Churches and Christians alike, many have been saved but have no effect for Christ in this world because they have decided the thing to do is be a ninja Christian. Nobody will even know I was there. I'll sneak in and sneak out and they won't even know. My dear friend, God saved you and left you here so people would know. How's the lost world supposed to know if we do not tell them? So God left us here to do that. Actually, what the world is doing is causing us to become ineffective because we're too close to the world. You cannot live like the world, religious or not, and tell them a better way. They don't They don't understand it. They don't get that. If you have a better way, why do you act like I do? How come you drink like I do? You smoke like I do. You even cuss every once in a while. You flirt around like I do. How come? By the way, people on the job, they know. They'll side with the religious person Because they don't want to be convicted. And they'll argue against you. But as soon as they get in serious trouble, even the lost world knows who the real guy is. Yes, they do. I worked at Rockwell, and they used to do that all the time. They're not supposed to, you know, because we're on the clock for the government. You know how picky they are about we'll hire anybody. Anyway. So I'm sitting at my desk doing my work, and these guys will come up off the floor, walking down there on the aircraft, and they come up and they put their paper, put their paperwork down, and they look around. Hey, Bill, can I ask you a question? It's always about their family, their children, something they're married, something like that, and uh, I do my best to help them. Now, wait a minute. There were people all over there that went to liberal churches and, and did what they wanted. They know those people. Yeah. They know those people. And when they're in real trouble and want real answers, they don't go to them, they go to you. That's where you come in. That's why they test you. That's why they examine you. That's why they are after you. Because they have to tear down your testimony because that's what the world does. At the same time, they want to see Christianity. They really want to see Christianity. You cannot live like the world and tell them that you have a better way. When one gets saved from the sin of this world, he is immediately begin to walk away from it. Immediately. And this is where a lot of Christians trip and fall. They won't listen to the preacher. Go like, okay, now tonight you need to get back here, okay? Yeah, I'll tell you, it's really important. You got saved this morning in church. You need to come back to church tonight. Well, you know, I really got other things I'm supposed to be. They don't understand yet. It's like a baby. A baby does not understand what all it needs. That's why it has a mom and dad. Yes. You bring a baby home, said, you're a human being. Take care of yourself, it would die. Right, So many Christians get saved and now Aunt Lulu, the evangelist, wants you to come to to her church and somebody wants you to come to their party or you already made plans and the devil's already set you up for failure. Even though you're saved, instead of listening to someone who's been on the way all this time and will show you a Bible, you start doing what you want to do and then pretty soon we don't even know where you're at. What happened to you? And the devil's doing his job in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I, I'm bothered by people who say they're saved and they're still doing everything they used to do. Right, right. I don't get that. You still drink, still cuss, still smoke. still. When I first got saved, before I let you know, for those of you that may be visiting, uh, I was not raised in a Christian home. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Raised in a divorce home. Dad was a drunkard. My mom tried to raise six kids by herself. We grew up in the streets. It's bad. Uh, got tattoos. It's like soaring, wicked, filthy. Uh, and uh, and uh, smoked from the time I was about 11 until I was 22. And, and I mean, it gets worse from there. Drug addict, dealer, uh, gang member, almost went to prison. I mean, how much? Before I was 20. Before I was 20 years old. As soon as I got saved, it just made sense to me. I don't think I should do that anymore. Amen. So my brother said, who led me to Christ. I said, what do we do now? He said, well, uh, that was on a Saturday night. I got saved 51 years ago. He said, well, tomorrow we go. We go to church. You know what I said? How come we have to do that? Show me the Bible. I don't understand. No, no. See, that's you. You have more questions. You're not listening to answers. I'm glad I wasn't religious at all. I was a heathen, straight out of the world. Didn't know anything about the Bible. I said, what do we do tomorrow? He said, we go to church. Why is that so tough? I don't want to be deceived, preacher. I ran into a guy one time, said, I've studied all religions. Wow. And he said, I said, you read the Bible? Yep, read the Bible. I said, so you're Christian? No. I said, then you didn't read the Bible. Uh, You read the Bible, you're going to get saved if you're honest about it. Don't read into the Bible. Just read the Bible. Let it tell you. You quit telling it. So I looked at my brother and I said, okay, so what do we do after tomorrow morning? He said, we go back to church on Sunday night. I went, "Uh, okay. I said, what do I do then? He said, you're going to get baptized next Sunday. Okay. By the way, that's 51 years ago. You know what I'm still telling the Lord? Okay. Why is that so tough? Because the world has made us the way that we are. You see, he said you need to serve and live the Lord But do it here in Egypt. Now this is Pharaoh, a lost man, someone who basically in type and shadow represents the devil and he's saying, don't worry, you can serve the Lord here. Then why did God say, come out there? If I could do it there, why did God say, "No"? look, soon as the Passover angel goes by, you need to get out of here. Because we cannot handle the world. It is when the young Christian starts to separate, like God says, from his old ways, philosophies, habits of life. To get close to God, that's when Pharaoh objects, because he told him, "Serve God, but stay here." He didn't object to that. Stay here in town. Stay here in the city. Stay close to me. Don't separate. Don't 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 do that weird stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Where people go, you're different. You know that kind of, Don't do that. See, Pharaoh objects when it becomes noticeable that you're becoming less and less like your old life and like the world does. These churches and Christians today may be saved. I don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows who's really saved and who's not. But they have no real effectiveness for Christ. Why? Because they compromise and they've never left Egypt. Why would you want to get saved and stay where you're at? Continue to. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. They listen to the world's music, imitate the world's hairstyles, language, dress. They love rock bands, rap bands, country, western, pop, mom, sister. They have women leaders just like the world does. That's a big thing now, you know. I don't think I'm a male chauvinist. I'm just a Christian. But I have a tough time having a woman tell me what. Just as I was getting out of the military, women were starting to run it, filter in, uh, and uh, so I had a bad attitude anyway. I wasn't saved. I wasn't saved, okay, and I'm walking down the sidewalk, and uh, this person passed me, and and I didn't care. I had a month to go yet, and I barely got out with honorable discharge anyway, so I had a bad attitude already, and I heard somebody go, soldier, do you see these bars on my collar? You salute me. I turned around. First time I've ever seen somebody like that. And I thought, what? You see those bars on my soul? You salute me when you go by. I got out just in time. Because I have a problem with that. Do you know why I have a problem with that? Oh, it's not just my attitude. Though I do have one of those. It's because God said differently. See, I want to know why you're for it. Show me the Bible. How come you're okay with what the world does? Show me the Bible. I'll show you why I'm not. You show me why. you. Oh, that's just what I believe. Oh, stop that. Cheap cop out. That's just what I've always believed. No, when you were born, you slimy little mess like everybody else. (laughs) It's what you learned, what somebody told you, and you started surmising and making things up and said, this is what I've always believed. No, you haven't. It's what somebody taught you here. So now we have churches that are being ran by women just like the world thinks is a great thing. That You don't care to hear what God has to say about right? Because it doesn't matter. I don't care. That's what I believe. There's your problem. Yeah. Even men during this time don't say amen because yeah. your wife will beat you up when you get home and you know that's <laughs> the truth. Honey, what do you think about that? You know what she should say? Honey, you see these bars on my lapel? You salute me. And you go, Ma'am! go clean the cat box we have decided like the world to let people come to church dress however they want to wait a minute when did that happen you're coming before the king right now here's your reasoning I don't think God makes a difference how we dress where'd you get that from you have a lot of wise sayings. show me the bible Show me where you come up with this grand wisdom that you tend to spew on top, of everybody. Yeah. If they did not mention Christ in a lot of churches, the Holy Spirit, right. or church, you couldn't tell the difference between them and any other worldly crowd. That's right. That's right. You go most churches; they're cutoffs, shirt, hair sticking out. Bring. And that's the youth leader. That's the worship leader. Come on. Yeah. Whoa. Praise Jesus. If he had not said that, I would think I was a 1960s rock and roll concert. No? Check out the music. I was in um, Chattanooga, just outside of there. And they used to have a bunch of, they called them Christian bookstores, Lanham's bookstores. And I went in there one day. I was working at a, a local church there while I was going to college. And uh, I went in there to get some music. And uh, I, no, I was looking for a book. And I went in there, and as soon as I opened the door, I heard. And I thought, oh, I walked in the wrong place. I walked back outside, and I looked up, and lands a Christian bookstore. You have to understand, this was how many? 40 years ago? 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I walked in, and I'm looking, and sure enough, it was a Christian bookstore. So I make my way over to where I'm supposed to be, and I mean it's blaring. Oh, my goodness. They're going to town, whoever this is. Led Zeppelin or somebody. I don't know who it is. And I'm walking around. I'm looking at these books, and out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody. First of all, I stopped at the desk. And I said, when they start playing rock and roll in here? Well, the little girl at the desk, she had no idea. It's kind of like going to Bob Evans, and they're playing rock and roll, and you're thinking, old people don't listen to stuff like this. Come in to have eggs and bacon. That's what they did. And uh, so you ask them, can you turn up? Well, corporate did that. Corporate is guilty of everything. So I walked over here, and I asked this little girl, I said, when did you start playing Christian music, uh, uh, worldly music? And Oh, sir, I don't know. I could tell she had no idea. So I'm walking over here. Well, I didn't know, but Lanham, who owned all these bookstores, his grandson worked there. And out of the corner of my eye, while I'm looking at these books, I could tell him he's getting up nerve. I could see him going from one aisle to another. He'd stop. He'd move, and he'd stop. Come the next the movie stop. He's trying to get up his courage. Come talk to me. So I'm sitting there looking at this, and while I'm looking at this, I see this life-size cutout of a, I guess, a Christian singer. Ready? <laughs> Steel guitar, hair straight up in the air, collar turned up, sleeves pulled up. And I thought, who? So the guy finally gets up his nerve, comes over to me, and he says, Sir, I understand you have a problem here. I said, Yeah, I do. I said, Who's this? I point, Oh, sir, you, you don't know him. You can't pass judgment on him. You don't know his heart. That's your argument, right? I got you. I said, Well, I can't get to his heart. I can't get past the way he looks. <laughs> Only God sees the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. Is that right? I'm just trying to quote you some Bible here. And so they said, well, you don't know his heart. I never thought what I would see in churches today would ever happen. You have to understand, I was saved in a rock and roll time. You name the metal, we had it. Heavy metal, fat metal, acid rock, (laughs) no rock. Hit me with a rock. We had a lot. lot. (laughs) Compromise is the death of... Of a Christian's effectiveness, go to Second Corinthians. In case you thought I wasn't going to use any more Bible, Second Corinthians, folks. You say, "Well, that's 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 your opinion." No, 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 no. I have Bible. Amen. What you say is your opinion. It's like them saying uh, evolution has been proven. Absolutely a lie. That's not true at all. Not even close. Well, I've. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Drop down to verse number 17. Uh, start back up at verse number 13. Now go back to Genesis 1. No, kidding. <laughs> verse 13. Now for a recompense, uh, no, go to verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You know, you know what a yoke is, right? It's so both two animals of the same kind can pull evenly a, a weight, okay? Uh, it's a yoke. It goes over top of two animals. So, therefore, if you have a, when I was in Vietnam, they had water buffalo there, and uh, they're big. I'm still amazed to this day. There's little girl songs go along with a stick. It's called a goad. Man, they'd slap that thing like that, and that big old thing didn't move. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> kind of like some of you husbands do with your wife. Anyway, so. <laughs> Verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting what? What's the next word? Holiness in the fear of God. Holiness in the fear of God. In Second Corinthians chapter number 6 and 7, he said, Come out from among them. Come out. Right. From among them? Who's them? Them. Right. Egypt. Just like he told the Jews on that night. He said, Look, as soon as the blood's applied and that judgment is passed, you need to get out of here. Yeah, You're true. saved and still in Egypt, and I'm telling you, you can't handle this. You need to get out of here. Right. So, number one, the first thing he got him to compromise was you can live for God and you can serve God, but you need to do it right here. Don't leave. That was the first compromise. So Moses comes back to him, listen, a salvation which would have left them in Egypt could not possibly be the salvation of God. You know why? Because he said, get out. Get out of there. When God does salvation, it's from the time you get saved to the time you meet the Lord. It doesn't change. God will never change that. What did Pharaoh want them to do? He wanted them to worship the Lord, but I want you to stay right here. Why were they being delivered? to go serve the Lord. They weren't being delivered just so they could stay in Egypt and feel good about themselves. He said, I want you to leave here to come out there. I want you to leave this so you can go to this. I want you to leave Egypt so you can come unto me. In order to do this, there must be a redemption and a separation from Egypt to God. That was the first compromise. Just stay right here. Serve and worship God all you want to, but stay here in Egypt. Number two, go back to Exodus chapter number eight. Exodus chapter number 8. Exodus chapter number 8. Look at ch- verse number 28. Exodus chapter 8, verse number 28. Here's the second compromise, okay? Now just just think about the world. Think maybe about yourself or whatever. Watch what it says here. Starting in verse number eight, uh, 28 of chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8, verse 28. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice unto the Lord in the wilderness. He said, okay, I'll let you go. So the first one, he said, okay, serve the Lord, but you need to stay here. Moses said, no, I can't do that. Why? Because God said, when you get saved, you need to leave. God said. He said, but I think God said, God Almighty said, you got to get out of here. Next, Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God. Okay, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Watch. Only ye shall not be very far away. Okay, you got to go, but you don't need to go three days out, do you? I mean, you need to go that far. Seriously? Now, before you start to reason, what did God tell him to do? Yeah. Three days, right? That's what God said. Right. Is that what God said? God said, three days journey into the wilderness to serve me. So I'm not just want you delivered. I want you to come all the way out here. Amen. Pharaoh, first thing he said, okay, sir, if you got to do this, serve the Lord. But do it here. I mean, what difference does it make? Because right. God said. God said. Second, he said, okay, go worship the Lord and sacrifice, but don't go so far away. Now, so what's going on here? If Pharaoh could not keep them in the land, I want to keep them close enough that when they have a real genuine need, I can go get them again. Throughout the Bible, you'll find out Abraham, Isaac, and many others, when they ran into a problem, they went to Egypt for help. Had they not been close to Egypt for help, they'd have had to trust God no matter what. You ever wonder why God wanted to leave Egypt with everything they could right there at their fingertips? I mean, the stores were there and the schools were there. You, know, you kind of forget that all your kids were thrown to the crocodiles and you were beat every day and you didn't have any land and nothing belonged. to You kind of forgot about that part. But anyway, they weren't gone a month and a half and they started saying, we should have never left Egypt, which is what a lot of Christians do, right? So what happens here? Is simply this: Pharaoh said, "Just stay, stay in the land." He would, he would try to keep them as close as he could. If he couldn't get them to stay there, if they stayed close enough, when something went wrong, think about your life, Christian. When something went wrong, if they became disenchanted with Moses and the direction he's going, we just go back to Egypt. Now, what they said: We should have never left Egypt. Why? We ate leeks and onions and. That sounds good to you. That's fine, but leeks and onions to the fill. You would think they were in a resort back in Egypt. They were in—it's called slavery for 400 years. Yes. Their husbands were worked to death. Their kids were thrown to the Nile. They didn't have any place called them. They were slaves and workers for other people. Right. And yet, with all of this going on, Pharaoh said, "Tell you what you do. Okay, if you have to leave, you have to leave. But don't—you don't have to go that far with stuff, do you?" I mean, really, you got to take your Christianity that far. I mean, look how you're going to look out there in the wilderness. And we have all of this that we could help you with. A lot of Christians never learn how to trust the Lord. Do you know why? They stay close enough to Egypt, they can just step back in here. If they become disenchanted with Moses or this new way, If they feel hurt or or misunderstood, they could easily turn back to town and be there overnight for their help. How it hurts the cause of Christ and other Christians when somebody gets saved and we watch them go back to Egypt as if to say, God can't take care of me. This new way is just not working for me. I'll guarantee you, you either never left Egypt or you're still close enough that anytime something goes wrong or a little too hard, you turn right back and get all of your help and trust from Egypt all over again. The enemy knows if he cannot keep you not that far away in the place that's not in Egypt, I'll keep you there if I can, yet not all the way out to God. One first slip and you're back in the world again. That's what your friends and, and that's what your family's waiting for that doesn't know God. They disapprove of you going to the, ready, ready, the Baptist church. By the way, when you first get saved, oh, you're going to, oh, I'm so happy for you. It's patronizing. Right. The problem comes when you start separating from the world. Yes. That's when you hear, I don't think that's necessary. Right. At the church we go to, they don't do that. So Everybody's sidestepping, thus saith the Lord. Why don't you just go to the Bible and find out? Amen. But we don't. Again, what happens to those that we've witnessed to? What happens to those people you witnessed to and said, oh, no, this is the way God wants to go, and I can show you in the Bible. Then all of a sudden, you're back out in the world again. What do they do? What happens when Daniel shows up here, and uh, they go? he says, uh, hey, where, where's Pastor Bell? Oh, he quit. Oh, yeah, he stopped long. He got fed up with the whole thing, just quit. By the way, I do that every Monday. And uh, (laughs) God has a reason for separation and to stay away from the bright lights and the alluring ways of Egypt. We can't handle it, folks. I don't care what you think of yourself. You cannot handle it. It has its influence on us. We rarely have influence on it. I could tell you preachers I know right now got mixed up in politics and they're not even pastoring anymore and they're not witnessing for Christ. I can tell you of people who started singing in a Baptist church, in a choir, starting to sing solos, and now they're out in the world because they thought, we'll bring the world. If I was out in the world, I could influence them. No, they end up out there. They end up out there. Piano players the same way knowledgeable people trained by mom and dad and universities of churches, now they're out in the world, hopefully to get closer to the world, to draw them, it never works that way, it never works, that's why God said, no, you get away from them, if they want what you have, let them come out there, how, why is it they never want to follow you, how come they always say why don't you go with us, why don't you come with Bible said, come with us, we'll do you good, will not you come this way, right. how, how, how come your relatives go like, oh, I don't see I don't see I don't see how." And you say, okay, well, why don't you come to church? No, no, no. Why? Why not? How happy we would be. What a testimony we would have if all who professed to be delivered by Christ was out living for the Lord, like he said. The miserable person is the person trying to live in two worlds at the same time. Yeah. A double-minded man, let him think that he received nothing of the Lord. You cannot be double-minded. Either you'll love one and hate the other. Bob says so. We have been taught that if we are not careful, if we separate too much from the world, if we become too much like Christ, we become less effective. Like that guy across the street from me said, "Oh, they'll never listen to you." What's obvious—they're not listening to you. They think you're just like them. Yeah. Right. Yet the motorcycle guy—and that's not the first time—we were out soul winning in an apartment complex, and I saw this guy. There's two of them, and actually, there's three of them. And they had their trunk open. They were actually dealing drugs. <laughs> that's not funny. And uh, I, I went over to them and I said, "Hey, uh, fellas, doing fine." <laughs> Good, uh, and I said uh, I'm, I'm the preacher and everyone stood there and listened to me they were very nice to me I remember going soul winning one time uh, brother Tencher and I we were out soul winning down here on I think it was Terrence or n- somewhere over in there and uh, walking down the street and I saw this guy uh, walking down the sidewalk a big tall Mexican guy and all oh, of them are drug dealers by the way and uh, <laughs> and I said uh, how you doing very big, big fellow, about six-two, six-three, something like that. And real stone-faced, real, real sober kind of guy. And I told him who I was, pulled out a track, gave it to him. I used to do that all the time. Okay, And so I got to the place where I was going to witness to him, and I said, I called him by name, I don't remember what it was. And I said, if I were to pull out a gun right now and shoot you, now this is decades ago, I, I do not recommend you do this anymore. <laughs> and I said, uh, would you go, he said, I'd go to hell. Before I even got out, he said I'd be in hell. I said, really? He said, I've been shot. He said, I was shot here and here and here. I said, if you'd have died, he said, I've been in hell. I mean, straight, I said, is that what you want? Nope. But you almost died, yeah. I called him by name and I said, if God could show you how to go to heaven, would you like it? Yes. You you question, right? No tears, no. No chin quivering, nothing. And I said, um, okay. I said, uh, do you know how to pray? Nope. I said, if I prayed with you, I can't pray for you, but I could pray with you. And if you'd mean it with your heart, Jesus promised that he would save you. Would you be willing to do it? Yep. So in my mind, I'm going, <laughs> okay, this guy's just trying to get rid of me. And I said, okay, right here on the sidewalk. I said, let's bow our heads. Okay. You repeat after me in case you don't know what to say. Okay. I said, Dear Lord, dear Lord, I realize, I realize I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I know, I know, I don't deserve, I don't deserve what you did for me, what you did for me. He quoted the whole thing. When we were done asking Christ to forgive him and to save him, he looked up at me. He's still standing up real straight, no tears, no nothing, just looking at me. I called him by name. I don't know what his name was. And I said, I'm going to ask you something. As much as you know how, from your heart, did you mean what you did? If you did, shake my hand. I said you meant it. Yes. That's okay. Now, in case you're wondering about that, months later, I was driving down the alleys over there, and you know you're doing this down the west side, and, and I'm down there. And right as I got to this one corner, there was a carry out here. I, I forget the name of the alley right here on the north side, and I pulled up there. And out of the corner of my eye, I thought I saw somebody. I said, stop, 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 stop. Well, so he slammed on the brakes. I get out and I reach in and it dawned on me. I don't think it's a smart thing to do. And I pulled my hand back out and I stood there and I said, I'm Pastor and So he says, I know who you are. I said, have we met? Nope. He said, but over on Terrace, you talked to my cousin. And he said he got saved that day. I said, you're kidding me. He said, nope. While we were doing that, just to show you the hypocrisy of the world. The guy I was with, we—I took down his name, his address, and everything. We went back to going from house to house, knocking on the doors, and we knocked on this one door, and the guy said, "Who is it?" Uh, Pastor Bell. Door come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. Hurry, 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 hurry. Slam the door shut. I'm looking around. I said, uh, "We okay?" You know who you were talking to? I said, "What?" He said, "The guy." I said, "What guy?" "The guy you were talking to." across the street, on the on the sidewalk. I said, yeah, I called him. Yeah, him, him, him. He said, he's the biggest crack dealer around here in that house right over there. This guy was so drunk. It was pathetic. I mean, he smelled like a whiskey bottle. It's all he do is stand up. And he's standing there telling me, you know who that guy is? And I'm telling you, you guys need to be careful. It was like, I'm better than him because he's a crack dealer. I tried to witness him, he wouldn't have it. I went to the crack dealer. And he goes, yes, I will. Okay. He was fed up with it. This guy kept making excuses for why he does what he does. Yeah. The drunk in the house. I tried to show him the way out. He didn't want to hear it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to me. You make all the excuses you want to for why you do what you do. Yeah. It's not going to hold up. Yeah. So what am I talking about here? You see, what happens here is Pharaoh wants you to not go very far away. Because when you do, your light becomes brighter. You know what a full moon is? Partial moon, half moon, quarter moon. You know what that is, right? Do you know what causes that? The moon has no light of its own. You know that, right? All you deep science people, okay? It gets... (laughs) Let me preach. Um, (laughs) It gets it from the sun. Now watch what happens. When the world gets between the moon and the sun the moon becomes dark you and I have no light of our own we reflect Christ's light he's the light of the world and when the world gets between us and him we start growing dark Is that good let me preach. be quiet So that's exactly right our path becomes more distinct and easier to follow the farther we get from the world and closer we get to God it becomes more distinct our effectiveness for Christ in heaven in our lives becomes greater to other people here they say things like this i don't know about him and i don't like a lot what he says but if i was going to live the christian life be like that people know people know and they also know that they're not falling for your for your your backslidden uh, sloppe agape type they're just not ask them do you think this way, Chris? I'd go to your church. Why would a worldly person, smokes dope, whores around, cusses sometimes, want to go to your church? Why? Why do they go like that? Uh, I don't want to go there. I don't think I'll be welcome. We welcome everybody. So, what is the part they don't like? Any, any buyers? Anybody buying anything? What's the part they don't like? Sunday school? No, Sunday school is pretty good. Food? No, that's pretty good. It's the preaching. the word of God that says, yes, no. We want to live in a, who knows, gray area. God doesn't do that. So the compromise is the death of a Christian. Number one, to serve God, but you stay in Egypt. Number two, serve God, but don't go too far. Go back to Exodus chapter 10. We're almost done. We're almost done. Chapter 10, look at verse number, Exodus chapter 10. Chapter 10, look at verse number eight. Here's the third compromise. And Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said unto them, "Go!" He said, "Yeah, go. Just go. Just go do it. Lord your God." But who are they that shall go? And Moses said, "We will go with our young and with our old, and with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord." And he said unto them, "Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go. And your little ones, look to it." for evil is before you, hold on, watch verse 11, not so, go now ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that ye did desire, and they were driven out from, you know what he's saying? You older people, go do what you think you need to do. Leave the kids here. Leave the kids here in Egypt. Leave them here. Parents in the wilderness living for God and their children in Egypt, that's a recipe for failure right there. That's not going to work. No, you don't believe me? Ask a lot of the Christian parents whose kids are out in the world. It's hard to keep going on when you know your kids are back in Egypt somewhere, not living, not being blessed of God, not being alike the way God intended. It's not working. It's not. It will not work at all. God intended whole families to serve Him. This was not an option that's why, he thought, that's why Moses said, no, my sons, my daughters, my herds, all of it, the whole thing, the whole kit and has got to go. And Pharaoh said, okay, if you got to go, fine. but Take your herds, take whatever you need to do. Leave the kids. Just leave the kids. I do not ask my children when they were at home. Kids, you want to go to church today? I don't ask my kids. I believe in drugs. I drug them to Sunday school and I drug them to church and I drug them Bible says you train up a child in the way he should go. Amen. But somebody has told us, I think this is very wise, is to give a five-year-old an option. Let me see. Stay home, eat cookies and cereal, watch comics on TV, and lounge around or go to church. Way to go, mom and dad. Yay. Wisdom of the world. In our house was never, dad, are we gone? That wasn't even brought up. That's what we do. We go to church. Been going to church ever since, before they were born. And I'm not going to change it because they're born. Get out of bed, boy. My son James he used to have a hard time getting out of bed. I can help you parents with this. Glass of ice cold water. Do it in a minute. Just like that. He thought he was pretty cool. So I'd start to go in his room, and there was a board. As soon as he heard, I'm up, Dad. I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. I said, get out of that bed, son. After his mom already told him several times, he'd lay back down and go to sleep. Which probably didn't do him a bit of good when he became a sniper, but whatever. So the next time I walked in, it dawned on me. He set up when I stepped on that board. Okay. So he saw me with a glass of water and set up when I stepped on the board. So the next time I got a glass of water and I went <laughs> kidneys, man, I'm telling you. So I walked in with a glass of water, got real close to him, and I. Dad, Dad, what are you doing? Dad, all over the sheets and said, Dad. I'm not telling you again, get out of that bed. It's not a choice. Amen. You don't have a choice in my house. Amen. You have a choice. That means you can take care of yourself leave. Yeah. Yeah. Become a big people. Amen. No? You don't want to be a big people? and quit trying to tell me what to do. Amen. We go to church. Your mommy's out of bed. I'm out of bed. Your brother and sister's out of bed. Get out of bed. Amen. Where are we going? Going to church. Um, uh, We never allowed that. Never allowed that. You don't murmur and complain about going to church and serving the Lord. You don't do that. Murmuring and complaining is sin in the Bible. Right. That goes for your kids too. <laughs> I'm not preaching on children, so we'll move on. <laughs> I do not ask my children if they think they're too close to Egypt. Get that dress off, it's too short. But dada, get the dress off, it's too short. Hey, Cleopatra, get, get a ton of that makeup off. Dad, everybody. No, they're not. You're not going to. Is there something wrong with you being a mom and a dad? Yeah. It is not my option or my authority to give you a decision. God said. That's all. My children are an heritage of the Lord. I happen to work for him. I'm his child; those are his kids. Yeah. I only have a right to do what he wants me to. do. I don't have a right to bring up all those options. If you look in Proverbs twenty-two six, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from. It. God didn't say. Where's the, where's the voting here? Yeah. Where's it? I'll tell you where it's at. Public school TV, uh, um, huh? Yeah, that. And uh, I'm waiting for somebody else to tell me what I was going on. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of covered it all, didn't it? watch right, iPhone, right, ICU, that kind of stuff. Everybody's teaching your children on why they shouldn't have to do this. They're too close to Egypt. They're in Egypt, and mom and dad have gone off to church. By the way, would you please quit falling for this? They're sick every Sunday morning. Well, that covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? I've had grown men tell me, I don't feel good. he got a black eye, she'd beat the tar out of him, you know. And, and I'm thinking to myself, you better quit lying about stuff. By the way, on Monday morning, miraculous healing. Yes. Just in time to go to work. Yeah. So what do you do with kids that are sick? What I want them to do. You don't know how good I feel about that. So what happened? Why? Because Satan knows if our children are running in Egypt, part of mom and dad's not going to be all out for God. I watched even mentioned it here this morning. Some of you just kind of bow your head. Because you're thinking of a child that's out in sin somewhere. Out in Egypt somewhere, close inside the world while you're trying your best to serve it doesn't work real well. And Satan knew that. And and and, and Pharaoh knew that too. Knew that too. Oh, I I, I don't force my kids to go to church devil's clapping for you. a girl. Way to go. By the way, it's normally mama that gets her way. Not one man, amen. My wife's sitting back there. She can get her way. Do you know why, sir? Can I help wake you up a little bit? When you meet God, no matter what she decides to do, you're going to answer for the family. Well, she, remember Adam and Eve? God, the woman you gave me, right? You know what she said? The serpent. Everybody's blaming everybody else. God held Adam responsible because he was the man God put in charge. And in your home, you're going to answer for everything you do, allow, or don't do. So you take the easy way out. You still won't have to answer to God for it. Listen to me carefully. This this is of the devil. This is not of God at all. Pharaoh said, leave your kids behind. You old folks, go to church. Or what we've decided to do, I know what, let's bring Egypt into church. Yeah. That way we have the best of both both worlds. We're praising and shouting, serving the Lord. You, because you're in a building doesn't mean you're in church. The building is not church. People are the church. you not find it hard to swallow some of the stuff I say you do understand I was a cussing fighting dopehead, hard rock run around with hardly nothing on fist fighting hate everybody how in the world did I get to this point brainwashed I done been brainwashed how'd I get to thinking this way to exactly what day I got saved I fell in love with the Lord and whatever he wants is okay with me even if I have to fight for it and then finally I'll close with this one Exodus chapter 10 verse 24 we're almost done look at it verse 24 here's another compromise watch and Pharaoh called unto Moses and said go ye serve the Lord only let your flocks and herds stay Let your little ones, okay, so now your little ones can go with you, your wife can go with you, the family can go with you, you can go if you want to, go all the way out there, but leave your flock, why? You business people ought to know what this is talking about, right? If the devil can keep your investment time, your talent, your treasure, where he wants it, he still has you, Right? In, uh, I want to say 1 Timothy. Bible talks about being a good soldier, and you'll not be entangled again in the affairs of this life. In particular, when you study that, look at anywhere you want to, you'll find us talking specifically about business, the affairs of this life. Good Christians, talented Christians, educated Christians. They get saved. They fall in love with the Lord. And business begins to wrap itself around their life. Pharaoh, leave your flocks and herds here in Egypt and around town and you go. How many Christians are saved but have been blinded by the devil's philosophy to leave what God has blessed you with in the world? Job. name it, God blessed you with that, God gave you that, and we go to serve the Lord, and we leave all of that, yeah, but preacher, I got that invested, but preacher, if I touch my 401k, the government's gonna slap me with a fine, well, God's gonna slap you with, who gave you that, Moses, there shall not be a hoof left behind, God said, Everything has to go. Amen. Told him that right off the bat. God gave you the ability, the money, the talent, the education to use for him. And how many people are now using their abilities right. yeah. to advance themselves out in the world? I'm not necessarily against that, but where's God in that picture? Amen. Pharaoh knew exactly what he's doing. Look, we are we that are saved, we have we have left that land of death and darkness. We have. We have been brought to God himself so that we may enjoy him. Most Christians, they don't enjoy their Christianity. They just don't. Right. They hate coming to church. They hate having to live. It. They hate singing songs. They hate, they hate, they... But boy, I'll give myself to work in a minute. God said, no, your herds need to go too and your flocks. Everything, all your business needs to go there. There is not an affection in the heart in which God is not worthy. He deserves every bit of you. And every bit of me. And the fathers from and, and the father from Egypt. It's easier to see Egypt when you get away from it. Man. I used to live there. Yeah. Yeah. You've been saved for a while and away from the world. Go go find some of your old friends. You'll be shocked at how much you changed. If, If you're living for the Lord. You'll look back and go, I did that. I was dealing drug down, you know, where Central Avenue is down here. On Central Avenue, and you turn and go north on Central, almost by the railroad overpass, and I lived in a house there with a friend of mine from Vietnam and his sister dealing drugs. We go soul winning down there now. It's a terrible part of town. We live there drug addicts, and we argued and fought for our right to do what we wanted to do. And now I look back here and go, I don't believe I ever lived here. No way. What was the difference? One day in the middle of all that, God called to me. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about anything. But somebody told me he loved me. Sure, what that meant, but if he did, that would be something. And I turned to him for salvation. From that moment on, only thing I did—watch how difficult this is. You ready? I got born again, and just like a child learning to walk, I just grabbed onto him and just kept moving. Fifty-one years later, you know what I'm doing now. There's no big secret to this. It is a thing of the heart and obedience to God. Let me ask you this before I close. We were talking about why they needed to be saved, right? Blood. Blood did it. Not church. Not being good people. Not turning over a new leaf. Blood. Blood did it. The angel said, I'm looking for the blood, and when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And that was the deliverance of the children of Israel. Just like with us, Jesus shed his blood. He didn't come here to teach us how to live, though he did that. Bible said he came to die for sinners. That was his purpose. Just like in Egypt, when his blood was spilt, now everybody who takes that blood and applies it to their life, judgment is passed over. You understand? But once you're saved, how many people go right back to their old life as though, well, other than getting saved Sunday morning, my life's basically the same. No, basically it's not supposed to be the same. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Where's the newness? Where's the old things passing away? What, what has happened to us? We have been duped, deceived, and lied to by the Christian religious world that says, I don't see anything wrong with this. Why can't we still do this? Why can't we still drink this? Why can't we still listen to this? Why can't we still dress this way? Why can't we still do this? Well, it moved quite a bit, haven't we? From God's relationship to what I want to. Sounds like a rebellious teenager, doesn't it? Oh well, I have to. As Christians, I don't I don't get that. I don't. There's a lot of things I don't necessarily like about the Christian life. But I love him. Because I love him it's gonna be okay. Are you saved? Are you saved? I mean, if I, as I told that guy, if I pull a gun out right now, I don't do that anymore. And I shot you. And you had no time. Listen to me now. You had no time to change anything. Where are you going right now? Where would you go? You should be able to say, heaven, if I'm saved. Are you saved? Eternal life is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yes? That's the free gift. The free gift is not Jesus. The free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is that right? If you do not have Christ, look at me and listen. You may be the nicest person ever lived. You're on your way to hell. Jesus said, I am the door to heaven. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you do not call on the name of Jesus Christ, you are not going to go to heaven. You do not have eternal life. I don't care how many churches you go to, you be baptized at every, every creek from here to Timbuktu in Kentucky. You're not saved because of that. That death angel on that night was looking for one thing the blood applied. Not the blood shed, the blood applied. And as soon as it was applied, Christian, he said, you got to get out of here. I mean, you got to get all the way out of here. So Pharaoh said, serve the Lord, but stay here. Serve the Lord, but don't go too far away. Serve the Lord, but leave your kids here. Serve the Lord, but make sure your business keeps pulling you back into the world. Are you saved? If you're not, you need to get saved. If you are saved, still living in Egypt? When you get in real trouble, where do you turn to, God or the world? You turn back to the world? You don't even call upon God. You don't pray about it. You don't go to church. You don't do it. You just. Is that why you're here? You got into trouble? Good. I'm glad you're here. Very glad you're here. See, because the Bible said, when in trouble, pray. If you're not saved, you're in trouble. God doesn't want you to do that, He wants to save you. Are you saved? Let's pray.